0: This episode of the Proceedings Podcast is brought to you by GE Additive. Additive manufacturing, also known as 3D printing, is a transformative approach to industrial metal production that could help address material shortages due to diminishing manufacturing supply. GE Additive provides machines, metal powders, engineering, and print services that can support the Navy with spare part printing capability and a more flexible spare parts supply base. Welcome to the Proceedings podcast for the Spokes of the Fleet episode. I'm your host, retired Fleet Master chief Paul Kingsbury, co-director of Outreach for the U.S. Naval Institute. The focus on the Fleet editions primarily engage with enlisted naval professionals to help advance the understanding of the naval profession, explore fleet perspectives on today's challenges and issues critical to mission readiness, and to help leaders at all levels increase their professional knowledge and influence. But before I introduce our guests, I want to highlight a few things going on with the Naval Institute. As I mentioned last time, right now, take advantage of free digital access. Uh, That's through the end of June as we navigate through the COVID-19 crisis. We're providing the opportunity for all members and non-members to access digital content, including the archives. And you also get the opportunity to get uh, member pricing on books and free shipping. And that gives you access to proceedings, Naval history, and all the archives, and if you want to sign up for that open access, you can do so at www.usni.org open access. And a couple other things we just finished up. We closed out on 15 April for entries for the Enlisted Essay Contest. So the next ones teed up are 15 May for the U.S. Coast Guard Essay Contest, 31 May for the CNO's Naval History Contest, and then 31 May is the deadline for entries for the Naval Mine Warfare Contest. So once again... Great opportunity to use the forum of the Naval Institute in the essay contest, perhaps as a catalyst to put down and get some of those thoughts out there you've been thinking about to make those warfare areas better or to socialize something in uh, leadership or something to make the Navy better. So, uh, all right, today, so I'm in our Hampton Roads studio, and my guest today is Mass Chief Mike Bemley, who recently wrote a proceedings article titled, The Relentless Chief, He's a Cryptological Technician Rating Lead and the Lead de- Detailer at Naval Personnel Command. So, Mike, welcome to the Proceedings Podcast.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. I think this is an awesome opportunity uh, that you that USNI provides. Appreciate it.
0: No problem. So, uh, before we get into the article per se, you know, um, there's a lot of stuff going on, but give us a little bit about your background. How long you've been in? Uh, what's your experience? And uh, what's going on at Naval Personnel Command these days?
1: <laughs> so actually, in um, three days, I, I'll be at 16 years. I, I initially joined as a as a DK Dispersion Clerk for for all the new sailors, right? And yes. and, and then transitioned to PS uh, when they merged uh, with the PNs, and then you know I, I cross rated in 2009 to CTR, uh, and then and then ended up uh, doing mostly uh, special operations support. Um, in Fort Bragg with JSOC, and then uh, I, you know, made senior chief, master chief, and then uh, was selected to be a detailer here at NPC. Uh, probably uh, one of the most awesome, rewarding tours that that you can you know get if you if you have the opportunity. Uh, mostly because you get to impact your community uh, from the uh, from you know talking with all the. The people that support um, ECMs, TICOMs, uh, OPNAV, and, and all those things to impact your rating. And then also the best aspect um, is the sailor growth. And you're like the biggest career counselor um, chief that you can be in any in, in rating is you constantly talking to all the sailors. So that's what that's what really makes it probably the best tour ever um, at this time in my career. So.
0: Okay. So, and like you said, you're the cryptological technician rating lead. Uh, tell us a little bit, there's subcategories of crypties, right? There's R's, there's M's. Can you just, uh, for our listeners, give a little bit of a background on the different types? So, right. So I'm a
1: CTR, so that's the collection uh, version. I just happen to be uh, the, the Master Chief Billet on that side. There there are uh, all the other CTs as well, as CTN, Networks, CTI, the linguists, the interpreters, Uh the CTM, uh, maintenance, um, and then uh, we also have the CTTs, uh, the the technical side, more ELAN side. So so what I do really is just really help QA enable them to write their uh, orders and lead their their communities uh, through the detailing process, as well as be a CTR lead detailer myself.
0: So obviously you guys are busy these days with the whole quarantine and the impacts that's had on personnel moves. Um, anything you can offer from your perspective on what you guys are doing and kind of the fleet response that you're seeing to uh, what's going on?
1: So I, I think the fleet is responding uh, exceptionally well. I think at the beginning, um, all the moving parts um, and all of the quick decisions that needed to be made from uh, OSD down, you know, secdef down, kind of, you know, shaped where we are right now with uh, the COVID response from the Navy aspect. And what that is, is a lot of sailors uh, that are affected have been contacted um, by phone or they've called MNCC, the, the New My neighbor Career Center, and got, got in contact with their detailers that way. And, and basically, our charge is really to, to make their life, minimize as much you know, hardship uh, as possible. And so that's been our direction, um, and that's what we've been able to do uh, with you know the constant communication and constant flexibility uh, of the leadership in MPC and really My Navy HR. So.
0: Okay, and uh, so that's definitely I think new, pretty new. I heard of it, My Navy HR. Right, you know that was being discussed right before I was going to retire. Uh, what what's you know for those once again relatively new concept? Um, give you a few you know a little bit of time to explain what that is and what that's designed to do. So really, it's
1: it's a, a transition in mindset and processes from uh, what we used to be in our training equipped and things like that, where we're, we're, we're kind of detailer, mark, marketplace driven. We're really trying to uh, ensure that the fleet is getting the right sailor uh, skill set wise, talent, talent management wise, and right time in their career to ensure the success of the Navy, but also the, the family, the, the Navy family. So all those things are being placed in consideration, especially with our transition from as many systems as we had, and I mean, software we had to, to uh, kind of support a sailor's career down to just a couple. So that, you know, that would mean like the PSDs and using SIMS access for career counselors and and, and, and uh, all the detailer functions that we, we use, all those things down to a, just a couple more systems that enable the, the similar to, to have an easier time, either PCSing, reenlisting, um, or even the board process type, type of things.
0: Yeah, that was definitely to satisfy y'all. You know, I often heard, you know, when I was a fleet mass chief is like 50,000 different systems, don't talk to each other. It's hard to get things done. Um, and you compare that, compare that to, you know, like your Navy Federal Credit Union app, where I can get on there and do all kinds of functionality. That was kind of what I heard the vision was.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's moving in that direction. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, Admiral now is <laughs> and, you know, fleet Koshoff are really busy uh, trying to do that and then also maintain uh, the fleet readiness as well in their positions. And, and I have to say it's probably uh, a good time in the Navy if you have an idea about something or an idea to share because uh, they, they are they're ready and their ears are open
0: for it. So. Absolutely. So speaking of sharing ideas, um, like I said, you uh you had an article you submitted, it was uh published basically online and uh just a couple of days ago, uh titled The Relentless Chief. And that article frankly coincides with, you know, one April or the month of April. Um we celebrated the 127th birthday of the raid of the Navy Chief Petty Officer. So great time to reflect on, you know, how well we're doing, the health of the Chiefs mess, maybe pause and reflect on our core value beliefs. Um, and, and just check ourselves. So, um, so let's go back to it. So you get this idea what prompted you to write this article um, and what's been the response to date to it.
1: So really uh, I'm, I'm uh, kind of, you know, obsessed with uh, growth, right. And trying to figure out uh, how I can be better. And and at the same time um, when you're, when you're a master chief, you're a chief mess, you know, you, you kind of, you want that for your, you want that for your brothers and sisters as well. So um, through my uh, experiences with um, uh, command SEO position and and leading a uh, season or two, I think when I, when I see a chief and, or a chief's mess and I see these different uh, chiefs have these different mindsets towards what their job is and what, what it's not, um, it's easy to, to kind of list out, okay, this is your task. One, two, three, four, and five, a checklist. Um, I didn't, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to, I wanted to write something that addressed the mindset to get at the, the foundation of a chief um, based on feedback from past, you know, post-command tour CEOs, um, peers in the chief's mess, and then, you know, um, the best advice <laughs> coming from the, the sailors you lead, the, the junior sailors. So uh, that's initially what, you know, got me to write this. And I think really what I was trying to do is offer something to the mess to say, Hey, think about these things and think about this mindset that we, this right here could possibly just, you know, address the culture issues and things like that in your commander, you know, divisions departments or, you know, command wide. So
0: Okay. Um, So basically you, you know, in the article, one of the points you state straight out, you know, in your your introduction is I have found that Navy needs what I call relentless chief and, and then you go on to list three attributes of the relentless chief. Um, so from your experience, where did you learn these attributes? Is that something you developed? Is something that was passed on to you from you know, a peer, a mentor? Did you hear that from someone? And do you think the average chief in the Navy right now has those attributes or, or do they lack the attributes that you kind of carry out?
1: So the specific things I—I I, I mean, because you know when you're when you're writing something, uh, you, and I—I I was taught that hey, you can't write so much that people are you know have lost it, right? Unless you're writing a book. Um, yeah. Uh, but so I—I I chose these three things uh, from—they they came from a, a bunch of different places. Uh, specifically, um, I remember it from my my even very first chief, uh, and then also um, uh, my. I have a really good relationship with my CEO that I, you know, I had the opportunity to be his command SEL for, and, and we talked about these things all the time. Um And, and so when I say, you know, we, you know, when you wake up or when you, when you're start your day and you're a chief and you're doing these things and Hey, you, you get to do these things. You, you, these aren't things that you have to do. That mindset is, is kind of negative, but if you say, Hey, I, I get to lead with purpose, and I I get to explain to my sailors why they're doing something, or why this this mission is uh, important, or why you have to do that. That that is something that you want to do. You you've decided, you know, when you when you were selected for chief, you decided that you wanted to be that and you wanted to do that. Um, I I can not think of any chief that has ever stood there getting pinned as anchors, and then next day said, I don't want to do the things than the chief's creed. And, and essentially what I'm getting at in the article is the stuff in the, in the chief pedestal's creed. Uh, you know, we get to lead, we owe our sailors, uh, we get to serve them because it's not about us. We talk about humility in the in the CPO's creed um, and, and ultimately chiefs are problem solvers for junior sailors and seniors at the same time. So.
0: Yeah. So your three points were lead with purpose, right? Serve people. And then be a problem solver. Uh, and yeah, in many cases, you know, obviously they align with many of the mantras we hear, like results, not excuses, ask the chief, uh, the content found in the chief petty officer's creed. Um, and then you contrast that with, so that's the things you look for, right, in a good chief. And then you contrast that um, with the BCD mindset. So tell us a little bit about the BCD mindset.
1: So I got this from a, uh, from a, I was listening to a, another, you know, podcast that, that my, that same CEO, uh, Commander Barnes, uh, we, we share these things back and forth, uh, you know, sent to me. And um, I had never heard of it before. I had heard of versions of it, but BCD specifically was easy to remember. Uh, blame, complain, defend. And, and to be honest, uh, you find a lot of, you know, chiefs, um, you know, in that in that kind of mindset, that BCD, like everything that's happened is because of somebody else or because of something else, and, and not necessarily owning um, what what they're part of it, basically. And so and so, I'm just saying that as chiefs, we have a lot of things on our shoulders uh, inherently. Um, Relentless chief is is what I chose because I'm a chief and I wanted to speak to my brothers and sisters, Uh, as a leader, um, you you can't, BCD is is not something that you want to do. You want to choose to be explicitly in in, and choose to lead as much as possible. Um, And I think that's where BCD and the contrast came from, because I I just, I wanted to tell Chief that I saw and I see BCD in in a lot of cases, but it doesn't have to be. The Navy puts a lot on our shoulders, uh, rightfully so we, we take it and we own it but um, if you're feeling that you uh, are you know you're not moving forward you can't do it you need a break you need something uh, then it's okay to ask uh, it's okay to, to, to uh, take a break um, and but let your brothers and sisters know so they can pick you up because we don't have a, a mechanism there's nothing that can cover us. You know we we accept the chief's mess period so
0: yeah so I, I you know i always come back to that you know the you know what role does the chief's mess what role does it play or should it play in handling you know a, a chief that's succumbing to the um bcd mindset of blame complain and defend
1: yeah so we have to just cover you know take take you know i think during the season right during every season we talk about who's supposed to cover down for you, who are you supposed to go to when you need help? It's always, the answer always the mess, <laughs> always, you know, chiefs. Um, but sometimes what I see chiefs doing, and, and I get a different view from being a detailer. I have to be honest. I mean, I, I, it's part of me now. It's part of the way I, I think, lead um, and handle situations now. It's just because I, I view, uh, my view from being a detailer is that there's a lot that, you know, our chiefs, you know, could grow from instead of choosing to be like, you know, uh, if this wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done that or, or whatever, blame, complain, defend. But basically all they need to do is just, you know, either ask for help or just say, Hey, i about, all right, it's time for me to retire. And, and we would understand that, but that's, that's generally not what's happening. It's, it's more, um, uh, negative than that. And and I think our junior sailors, um, and, uh, seniors are seeing that and that's something that we can clean up. That's all. That's all I'm saying. And that's some, just a different mindset that we could have. Um, it's okay for you to be down. It's okay for you to be tired. Uh, but you know, you got to come to the right people for help. So.
0: so I've been a guest on a couple podcasts myself and, you know, this, I've been asked this discussion, um, and you know, one part I, you know, you know, when you read things like the Chief Petty Officer's Creed or the Mission Vision Guiding Principles, you know, or any of the mantras that are out there, right? You see them on the t-shirts, you see them on the coins, results, not excuses, ask the chief. There's a lot of heavy pressure on chief petty officers, right? There's a lot of legacy to fulfill. There's a lot of responsibility, um, defined responsibility and undefined responsibility you got to fulfill. And sometimes I wonder, is there, you know, is it so much, is the standard so high that some chiefs are just like, hey, I can't meet that standard, but I can't show that I can't meet the standard, so I won't go to help. And they fall into these other behaviors. Uh, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I I totally agree with that. I think oh I'm wholeheartedly that uh, there, there's a lot, and I know I know junior sailors like part of the even the response uh, or feedback or messages that I saw from the article, um, you know, junior sailors are, are talking about like covers cover ups and things that the, the crazy things that their chiefs have done or whatever, you know, I'm sure there's more sides, you know, to, to the situation than what they said, but however, some of it's true. And um, there's so much put on them that I think sometimes they think that they have to do um, some of the, they have to be, when they're in these positions there, they have to do something. And, and sometimes uh, it's, it's not the right thing to do, but they don't want to ask somebody to, you know, in that situation or has, who has done that same, uh, who has been in that situation or or not. Um, but what I'm saying is, yes, I agree with what you said. And I think they should, um, that's where the integrity and things like that come into play when you're a chief.
0: So I, uh, you know, one point that, uh, you know, I think about when I was reading over your article and kind of thinking about the podcast is, you know, and, uh, you referenced the, the chief petty officer's guide and you cite that in your article, um, in chapter eight, I talked specifically, I felt compelled to write a chapter when I revised that on the role of the chief mess, right? Because we talk about it. I think people think they know what it is, but I'm like, you know, it had been my experience. Maybe you don't under, fully understand, you know, th- what the chief mess brings to a command and what its what its relationship, the combined mess is with the individual chief, right? And I talk in there about this, this self-accountability function that has to be strong within the chief mess, right? Um, so... When you see a BCD chief or a chief that's straying along, the first organization that should correct that or the first person is a fellow chief petty officer. Um, what's your, you know, what are you seeing? Like, do you think your average chief petty officer would look at a BCD chief and pull them alongside and give them course correction, or try to work with their, with their peers to do that, or would they just let them go, roll their eyes, and roll on their own day to day business?
1: I think. Uh, uh a good amount of them. I actually think a good amount of them will uh, bring them try to bring them along. Um, at least, you know, the problem I see is like during the season, you know, and after the season, you know, yes, you know, we'll we'll do something like. And I'm saying we because, you know, it it just it's, you know we're the mess. But I I actually um, see a, another problem with you know a, a chief doing that, and, and maybe that's uh what we've come to is a lot of chiefs don't want to don't want to hear it they don't want to like what do you mean so so my problem isn't important or enough to complain about almost like that's the response um uh, but no we, we are solutions based we're solutions driven so um you know if we have a chief that's trying to bring you along you should be open to it like that's the standard there's nothing below that right there you you either you have to take the uh advice um and and do what you will with it but you can't just you can't just be like oh well no i don't i don't agree with you don't don't try to correct me don't tell me that um and all those things i see i see both but i actually think there's more that are willing to at least try to bring some people along bring them aside but i think that the whole mantra of hey we we, what happens in the mess stays in the mess. And when we go into the mess, that's when we can actually open up and, and you know, uh, hold other chiefs accountable. I don't think that's happening
0: actually. Okay. Uh, um, so why, why not? What do you, what are your thoughts on that? I, I mean, cause I hear, you know, Hey, there, there's, there's attributes. People are afraid to kind of just have these difficult conversations. Are we not training younger sailors to have difficult conversations um, I felt compelled to, you know, I'm drafting the Petty Officer's Guide right now with a co-author, First Class Petty Officer, and I built a whole chapter in there about, okay, here's how to have a difficult conversation. Um, do you think we model that and teach that? I mean, I think that's how you learn that. It's You can't just read it in a book. I think you got to see people having those conversations in the right way, and you got to get comfortable having those. Um, at least that's my sense. What do you think?
1: No, I, that's awesome. I didn't, I didn't know that. That's awesome that you're putting that in there because that is exactly what we need to do. And we need to start it before they, they make chief. Cause I know we talk about it during the season and we, we try to uh, bring up scenarios where that might happen. Uh, but it is, it is definitely something that it is potentially, you know, generational. Somebody will say millennials or some people will say something else. I, I actually just think that it's just not happening enough that, um, uh, People don't understand it, so they, they just think it's a oh you're mad at me. I, I it's so crazy. Like I used to be a um, you know I was I was one of those hard headed uh, uh, you know made chief you know really fast. Then I was a you know a really uh, hard headed chief. Like I was just trying to be, be the best. My division was gonna be the best, like period. But I wasn't able that self awareness on my specific flaws as a leader wasn't pointed out until. Uh, now, now, Command Master Chief Alafio uh, was my department, LCPO at the time. Uh, he showed me the way of doing counselings for chiefs. Uh, when he counseled me, he did my first midterm counseling. Basically, like, hey, you're you might be doing great in those areas, but hey, this is what you need to fix. I, all that other stuff, I don't need to talk about that stuff. This is the the meat right here. This is what you need to work on. And that's what my whole counseling was about. Not about anything that, you know, was going great with my division or, you know, people. I, I mean, I had a had an awesome set of sailors, but that wasn't what he wanted to talk about. It was hard conversations that, and it made me see and understand, hey, it's really um, about growth here. And I think a lot of Chiefs aren't, aren't being receptive to that. I actually don't know why. I, like I said, it could be, like we just not starting early enough and, I, and I'm glad that you're addressing it in that petty officer's guide, but that's something that we definitely need to do. But even, you know, when you're talking down to James Ellis right now, yeah. <laughs> uh, you got of be, you gotta, gotta be tactful in some of the you know negative things you want to bring up. Uh, cause they, they're just not ready for it.
0: So we'll back it up. One thing I'm always wondering about in a shift I've seen, right? I was asked on a, on a different podcast, like, Hey, what's my assessment of the mess? And I, I got to compare and contrast it. I'm not trying to be that hey, I'm that old school retired mass chief who did it differently. But that that chief mess I grew up under, and this is where I think the generational component comes in, right? So it was all about those generations were big on positional authority and respect for authority, right? So um, although I was a member of the mass, I didn't go kind of rolling up on mass chiefs and senior chiefs too frequently initially with the first name thing, or brother-sister. It was like, hey, Mass Chief, you know, hey, Senior Chief. It was more formal with the respect for position. And then, you know, I made Chief in 1996, and then I've seen through the 90s and the 20s, you know, 2000s, this shift to this more brother-sister, hey, brother-sister mindset. Um, and I got it, right? And I, this is why I wrote that chapter in there. It's like, yes, there's a horizontal relationship where we all have access to each other, and there's a personal relationship, but there's still a hierarchy, right? That E8, that E9 still has responsibility to discipline that chief's mess, right? And I think some people get that twisted that, well, hey, we're all brothers, sisters in the mess now. So you got me and I got you. That can't get distorted or you'll lose good order and discipline in the mess. So I think that's a piece of it um, that may be out there that people got to consider.
1: Now, yeah, that is, that is, uh, we see that, we see that, uh, you know, in, in organizations where there's a bunch of chiefs, right. All the time, uh, hard conversations are, are things that, um, you know, they're just not, there's not one to hear from their brother or sister, but you're, because they forget that, um,
0: that's a master chief, senior chief, you know, yep. uh, you know, relationship there too. So. Yep. And I was chiefed as a chief, right. I was a young chief. I you mean, we talked about this before we, you know, went live on the podcast, but um, Chiefs are human too, right? We're all susceptible to bad decision making, you know, we're still maturing, we're still learning, you know, we're growing into our role. You make senior chief, as you know, right? It's different. That's a new role you gotta grow into. And the relationships with, with your peers in the mess change and you gotta learn to reconcile that. But there's several times when, you know, I had a senior chief or a mass chief that in no uncertain terms made it clear like, hey, you're gooning this up get your stuff squared away. uh, And I took that on board. Uh, At the same time, I could go down in the mess and approach them and listen to their conversations uh, and learn openly. So there's a balance to it. So I think what happens is if we lose that balance, um, that self accountability function can fail. And then the BCD chief, you know, gets, you know, goes on their way without being corrected to the betterment of the chief mess at large.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Um, so and you talked about that, right? So you know, you mentioned, right, and I've I've seen that or right, I've facilitated I definitely, you know, chiefs have a lot of expectations. So the officers have given us a lot of responsibility, they've given us authority, they've given us backing, right? Um, one of the comments to your article that I saw uh, was a buddy that socialized he's a retired mass chief. He was on the fleet CPO training team, Larry Linton. And he uh, he socialized that on his Facebook page. And one of his former COs came back and touted the importance of the chief and how navies around the world look at how our chiefs operate. And they're they're envious and they always want to know, hey, what makes your chief mess tick? What makes it good? And those kind of things. So there's a lot of clout that's put in the chief mess uh, by the wardroom. Um, but there is, you know, another perspective that matters is the peer-to-peer perspective. And we talked about that, but you know, and the cheese Creed talks about like expectations of officers and expectations of peers. One thing I don't think it touches enough on is expectations of your sailors for the cheese mess, right? And they're signaling in no uncertain terms, right, through writing, through podcasts, through blogs, social media, the tools that they can signal now that this kind of lack of trust in the cheese mess, you know, I've written about it. I've tried to facilitate the discussion. So what's your assessment of that right now with, with CPO mess culture and the relation with sailors and, and how do we make sure we're doing that right? I would,
1: I would say that based on uh, comments and feedback, and just based on that number of sailors, I'll say and in and the experience I've seen is it's not enough um, of the trust trust building, right? And it, and it almost is a cultural shift because, you know, I can hear chief say, well, you know, that's just what I said. That is what you're going to do. I said that, that's it. Or, uh, or that kind of tone or that kind of mindset towards uh, the new, or I'll say the new sailor, but the sailors that are coming now, that um, that trust uh, is built through, uh, you know, you understanding and, and everything and understanding and acting upon everything in the chief's creed and, and it addressing, you know, everything, you know, laid out, uh, the power bases are cool in the, in the chief's guide. Um, sailors will trust consistency, um, and, and know that, and if you're being honest with them at all times, um, they'll, they'll, that'll be a way to build trust and, and holding other chiefs accountable. Cause I, the biggest complaint is, um, the chiefs are are covering up something or, uh, you know, that chief got in trouble, but they're not having an open mast or, uh, that chief did the same thing as me. Why am I not, why are they not getting in trouble? Um, or, or, or whatever, um, all those things in line, but, uh, I think the only way to build trust with the current sailors is is to be consistent with them. Whether, you know, and and, and you know, simple things like listening, you know, to them maybe uh, might might help. Um, getting them and not trying to solve all their problems, but helping them solve them, you know, that that might help as well. But at the same time, I mean, we just have to do. Uh, we have to get better as a chiefs mess. That's that's it. I mean, and if anybody I challenge anybody to tell me that we don't need to get better. It's just that, you know, it's something that we have to do and we have to own it. And uh, and remember that we owe the sailors, period. They, it's nothing they owe us. So I think if we get that and, and, and live that way and chief that way, I think we we can uh, turn the tide on trust with the junior sailors. Cause that's, that's where it's really, I think really going to matter. So.
0: Yep. Um, and there's a balance, right? So I want chief petty officers who can be firm and fair and go to those more pressure-based leading tack. There is a time and a place, as you know, to say, shut up, get it done. Right. But those times are kind of far and few between usually, right. you know, day-to-day operations and the maintenance and the things we do day to day. There's plenty of time to treat people with dignity and respect give them an explanation of what they're doing, and frankly, connect it, like you said, one of your attributes to the mission. Um, Because people, I heard this, right? An officer said this. uh, The commandant of the Marine Corps said this out at West 2020. People want to make a difference, and they want to like the team they're on. So if a chief petty officer can ensure that people know that what they do daily is making a difference and empower them to make a difference, and then create an environment where they like the team they're on, where they feel a part of a, a good team you've got them, right? You're going to buy them in and those are the sellers are going to stay. And I think what they're telling us is you're not letting us make a difference and you're not listening or we don't like the team we're on because there's some um, conflicting standards from their perspective. And, I, and that's what I, I
1: like to tell people, you know, not everybody's going to be happy, right? So it's just, it just is a, that's a known, right? It's given, uh, it's not going to be happy. Not everyone's going to have uh, every, all chiefs, just, just talking about chiefs, cause we're talking about them. They come from everywhere, all walks of life, all kinds of, uh, you know, things they grew up and, and persevere through, you know, uh, but I always tell people, Hey, it's, that's leadership, right? So any, any leader you're going to have is, is, you know, comes from anywhere and everywhere. They're not going to be like your perfect leader. So, uh, just, just stand by and, uh, try to try to uh, become a, member of the team really so
0: so that's an important point right there is is there an absolute chief you know what i mean yeah. is there a it, i mean i i don't think so i mean we got the cpo creed it gives guidance and some expectations um we've got all these mantras like i mentioned that lead to stuff and people have their own personal mantras but i think that's important to understand is like um you know Chiefs throughout our history, you read about the ones in the CPO guide and the more well-known ones. They led in their own unique way, and I think they were good leaders not because they were, were chief petty officers, but they were they became a chief petty officer that because they were a good leader and they continued to to lead with those attributes that made them successful um, from a young t- you know young age as a sailor. Exactly, I always say a a good person will be a good chief.
1: Like that's that's the basis. Like you being a good, just a good person, you know, uh, good morals, good values. Um, and then, you know, chief will, chief will come. You actually want to help people. That is a, that'll be a good chief.
0: All right. Um, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, you know, cause once again, this is a perfect time. I would hope that chiefs messes around the Navy are reflecting command mass chiefs and senior enlisted leaders and cobs or facilitating a discussion. Chiefs messes are sitting down take a little time to reflect on, Hey, how are we doing? Right. Cause Cheese messes are also, you know, command um, influence, right? So you can have very strong cheese mess at certain commands and weak at others. So I think this is a great month for cheese messes to sit down and reflect on, not just your article, but um, the CPO creed and other things they're doing. But I want to know, you know, let's talk about your writing experience now. Uh, so how did you become aware of the Naval Institute, Proceedings Magazine? Um, what were your personal barriers to writing and how did you overcome those and what kind of advice and encouragement would you offer to uh, sailors and, and fellow chiefs on the writing and the process?
1: Well, really, uh, us and I, I, you know, you know, I didn't really actually take a look at it until um, I saw a couple articles from yourself, but then um, command master chief, Bill Woodland's, uh, you know, uh, message to chiefs as well. That's what kind of got like kind of, you know, get me got me into USA9, trying to figure out what it was about, um, and um, and then that's that that didn't get me writing. It just got me uh, more interested in what people write about and what people care about, um, you know, writing about. And then um, essentially uh, to get to this article, I think they were like. So I initially did the process backwards. Uh, well, some people might call it backwards. Is um, I wrote something. Um, I asked one person uh, to check, you know, what what were their thoughts on it? And then um, it evolved tremendously from that because I initially started writing about how detailers and uh, ECMs could, you know, better impact the fleet or, you know, help the chiefs mess. You know, that's what I initially started writing about. And then um, I wrote, I wrote Relentless Chief. I don't know what I called it at first. And then I said, here, USNI, uh, you know, check this out, you know, <laughs> um, and without any peer review. So that's where I messed up at. So, um, and, and I read something that said, hey, you should, or I think it was USNI, actually, it gave some example, you know, some help on on the subject, and it said, you know, peer reviews were really good. So then I had, like, I, I took some trusted, you know, chiefs, uh I knew that would tell me, hey, Mike, no, nah, or ask the right questions. Like, what do you mean by this? Like, what are you talking about? And then uh, I think the final came out to like you know 29 versions of it, trying to figure it out and, and stay tight on it. it. It was definitely challenging because I hadn't written anything for anybody else before, except right. for maybe an email
0: or something. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. And then our editors helped. Right. That's one thing I tell people. It's like, Hey, you're not, whenever you submit to us, don't, don't, don't not write because you think you're not a good writer. We have great editors on the team. Several of them, um, as you saw, right. What was your experience with our editors?
1: Oh, awesome. Uh, Julie. Yes. Uh, That's who I had. And, uh, to be honest, that's what, that's a good point. And I wanted to bring that up is, um, because while every time I'm talking to someone about the article, um, I say, hey, well, why don't you write something? Because I know you have something that you want to say that that probably be beneficial for our, you know, our Navy, period. Um, and they're like, oh, no, I can't. I was like, I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm not a writer, but there are awesome uh, editors and things like that that help you uh, get your words together and say what you you know, really say what you're trying to say.
0: So. Yeah. So and I would encourage you definitely. That article you talked about about how the ECMS can help. Um, we need more of that being written, and I encourage you to come back and uh, and and be a repeat publish, and and that would be a great article because one of the things we strive to do. It's not just about debate and challenging you know topics of interest. It's also about you know helping people become better naval professionals. So I think an right. article on uh, and I and I encourage that um, is hey I want to hear from detailers. I want to hear ECMS. I want you to give us some advice. Um, we have professional notes, and we have a leadership section. Those those kind of uh, articles would fit nicely in there, and I think we need more of that. So, if you get some time, definitely try to do that.
1: Oh, absolutely! Will um, it's it's already half written. I just started writing Relentless Chief. After awesome. <laughs>
0: um, all right, so yeah, you know, let's close it out. What, any last thoughts? The Relentless Chief
1: article specifically uh, was uh, something to to give to um, the chief's message to say, Hey, think about these things. Uh, if, uh, if it's something that you can take on board to, you know, make yourself, make your leadership style better or make, uh, you know, better your command or unit. Um, this is what I'm offering to you. It's just a different mindset. And I think it applies to civilians, uh, and, and officers as well. And I think I, I got a lot of feedback from both on that. It, that it definitely touched them as well. So I think, you know, just go ahead and take it on board and, um, and if you have any questions for me, I want you know, to clarify something that I said in there. Um, but, it, but by all means, it was definitely not a bash to uh, the mess. Or is it trying to exclude the E6 and below um, leaders or the senior leaders as well? Yeah.
0: Frank, we talked about this, right? It's the reason we write and bring these things up, whether it's popular, unpopular, makes people uncomfortable or gets people to agree, is because we care, right? We care about the health of the cheese mess. We care about the health and the effectiveness of our Navy and and, and the fact that the Chiefs Mess has huge, huge responsibility and impact on the readiness of our Navy. Yeah, all day I'll write if I think uh, it's not doing as good as it could do. So thanks again for doing that. What's next for you? So uh, I'm trying to
1: look for – I'm not eligible for uh, you know, a Command Master Chief program. So I'm, I'm going to take my uh, – take my opportunity to go do, do a command SEO job and another operational unit, um, uh, special operations unit, and then and go try to help that organization.
0: All right. Master Chief Mike Bemley. Uh, thanks for joining me today. Everyone check out his article online. It's uh, actually on our landing page for Proceedings Magazine on our website, www.usni.org. It's titled The Relentless Chief. Uh, and if you like that content and the discussion and the things we talk about, you can also check out the Chief Petty Officer's Guide uh, and, and take advantage of the current member discount that we're offering for all people, even if you're not a member. Or I did a quick search, right? If you go on the Naval Institute uh, website and you hit the little search function and type in Chief Petty Officer, I mean, you're going to get a ton of articles going all the way back to the post-war Chief Petty Officer, A Closer Look, who was written, which was written by Chief Machinist mate Richard McKenna, and he was the winner of the first enlisted prize essay contest. So... There's a piece of your CPO mess heritage and history uh, that you can learn about. So for those members of the Naval Institute, thanks for your support. Thanks for the listeners who've joined us today. You know, once again, we've got you know open access, but we really encourage you to become a member of the Naval Institute. Uh, just like Mike mentioned, he is. Help us support debate, advance your career, grow your network, stay informed and connected. I dare you, just like Mike did, to make a difference using the power of writing and the form of the Naval Institute. And remember, victory begins at the Naval Institute. This episode of the Proceedings Podcast is brought to you by GE Additive. Additive manufacturing, also known as 3D printing, is a transformative approach to industrial metal production that could help address material shortages due to diminishing manufacturing supply. GE Additive provides machines, metal powders, engineering, and print services that can support the Navy with spare part printing capability and a more flexible spare parts supply base.